This is episode 21 with remote product manager Katia Sokova. And, you know, it's like once you work for a big company, you're comfortable, you know, you become complacent, everything is good, you don't want to go anywhere. So it kind of really creates an environment where I don't thrive anymore. So I constantly need a challenge or the change that's going to propel me forward because otherwise it's just it's stagnation. I mean, sure, I can live like that all my life and until, you know, pension, but is there a meaning in that? Ever fallen into the comparison trap? You might be left wondering how some people were able to create that largely disruptive company, collaborate with this incredible brand, or just simply monetize their passions right off of their laptop from God knows where. You're left inspired and hungrier than ever to create a business that will give you access to your unique version of freedom. But the only question is, how? My name is Glenn Gabriel, and this is the Nomad Wolf Podcast, a show that features creators, game changers, rule breakers, trendsetters, pretty much anyone around the world with the appetite to challenge the status quo. Behind their successes and failures, we dive into their stories filled with actionable advice and growth hacks that aim to equip location-independent minds everywhere so that they can answer their own life's question by constantly exploring their potential. We hope you find what you've been looking for or what's been looking for you. Hi everyone, my name is Katya. So I'm, um, I'm a bit of a hybrid. Um, I am a product manager and I actually do have a um, a remote job, but I'm also um, a product and design thinking coach in a way that I help companies and people to um, design their life using some of the design thinking techniques, as well as companies or startups to help them um, solve multiple product problems that are related either to products or the processes by using Google Ventures Design Sprint or interesting exercises from the design thinking. I love it. Yeah. And I can't wait to dig in more into this whole design philosophy because I feel like not only me, but a bunch of our listeners are just super intrigued um, on that. And just uh, a little footnote for everybody that hasn't listened to Katya's coffee talk yet. We already went over a design sprint and like the elements that make it up and like what um, elements make it really stand out. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I would highly advise checking out episode three of that coffee talk. But um, yeah, I guess back to this episode. Katya, where are you currently based out of right now? Um, I'm currently in Lisbon on the on the fourth floor. And I have a nice view on the bridge and the um, beautiful buildings and just kind of like the uh, um, yeah, like a really nice uh, overlooking over the Lisbon view. I, I actually interviewed another entrepreneur a couple of weeks ago, and he said that whenever he travels, he always makes sure that he gets an Airbnb or some sort of hotel or wherever he stays. It has mm-hmm. to have a view. It has to have like an amazing view because that's one of those like priceless types of things that you can always like have perspective of. Being like, I totally agree. So I've heard so many good things about Lisbon. My, my my parents actually went recently and 
they they loved mm-hmm. it and how how young and uh, vibrant it was. What initially brought you or attracted you to Lisbon? Sure. So um, start. I started traveling back in June 2018, and just kind of like, and it's been always most of the time, not always, um, a bit of a slow type of travel so that I get to, you know, do some work. I get to explore the culture and really understand the people, kind of like, you know, get in the day-to-day activities to really um, penetrate the place where where I am in instead of just kind of like um, swinging by. But uh, quickly, as I was moving from Spain to Croatia, I stopped by in Lisbon literally for a couple of days and it kind of made a big impression on me like I never I always heard really good things about Portugal specifically in the last um, I don't know maybe seven to five years right after the economic crisis and I heard that it's developing it's a really you know a lot of British people moving here obviously you know if I was British I would be moving here too right now (laughs) but no, it was just uh, made a really big impression on me. It looked a little bit like a combination of Southern um, California. It also has the bridge that looks like San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. It has a culture that was slightly different from the Southern Spain type of culture, which was not really something that I'm a big fan of. I just like, I didn't, I didn't connect to that much. Mm. And yeah, I think as your parents said, it felt really young and felt really lively. Um, there is some things going on. It felt like, you know, it's um, it's growing and it's developing. And um, yeah, me and my boyfriend, we decided to come back here um, next year, which is already this year, and mm-hmm. kind of like spend a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spent two months in Lisbon, starting in April, then we went back to South, kind of explore a little bit Mediterranean and Atlantic side, and now we're back to Lisbon. Awesome. And um, so you've been working remote since you said 2018? Um, yes. Yeah. So I was doing some sort of consulting. When honestly, first it just started, I wasn't really doing much. I was trying to figure it out. What is that that I want to be doing? I kind of knew things that I'm super passionate and I'm very good at. So it was just combining those two and finding out how can I um, make it um, location independent. Mm-hmm. And very recently I did join, um, a company, a remote, fully remote company as, um, as a senior product manager. So I'm also doing that. Very cool. So before you actually stepped away from corporate cubicle lifestyle, what were you doing then? And, um, mm-hmm. I guess, where were you based, uh, years ago, or at least like, what was it like two years ago? Yeah. Year and a half ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was based in um, sunny San Diego. I mean, some people, yeah, <laughs> I know some people go go there to co-work. There is, I think there is a couple of co-working spaces outside or something like that, right on the, um, right on the beach. Um, and again, I mean, you, you know, right, San Diego is great. It's sunny it's great and, yeah, sunny and warm. A lot of people would do anything to live there. Mm-hmm. But... And I was also, um, I had a full-time job for several years uh, for a big enterprise company. I was also doing product management and going and traveling or just taking a break for more like internal as well as external exploration has always been on my 
on my mind maybe for the last few years. So it was just the finding the right time. And, you know, it's like once you work for a big company, you're comfortable, you know, you become complacent, everything is good, you don't want to go anywhere. So it kind of really creates an environment where I don't thrive anymore. So I constantly need a challenge or the change that's going to propel me forward because otherwise it's just it's stagnation. I mean, sure, I can live like that all my life and until, you know, pension, but is there a meaning in that? Is it purposeful? So, and that's kind of what propelled me the most to be like, okay, this is the time. There's not going to be any other time. It's time to stop procrastinating on that. Yeah. I, uh, I think I read somewhere that uh, when it comes to happiness, one of the key factors is progression and growth. And although we might feel like, you know, com- the idea of comfort and being comfortable is, you know, good because, you know, things might be easy, we're really sacrificing, you know, progression and growth. And, and that's like a really big factor when it comes to us feeling, I guess, the byproducts of, of success, which is joy and, and, and overall happiness. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely, I definitely agree when, um, I guess you, you felt like that, that stagnation at, at an enterprise company that you needed to, you know, explore things outside of the boundaries, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I bet you probably felt similar, right? When, you know, and probably when you made your decision, it was kind of, I, I suspect it was contributing factor was that opportunity for challenge and growth and experience, right? Yeah, definitely. When did you realize that uh, you could take your position in product management um, outside and, and, and do it remotely? And I guess, what did you do to prepare for this inevitable transition? Yeah, good question. So again, when I find myself um, bored at doing something, I start inventing things or projects that would take me to that next level. So one of those projects was at that um, larger company that I um, spent three and a half years before I kind of, you know, took a um, took the plunge. And the project was to um, get myself into design thinking and um, running design sprints. So design sprint is um, back then in 2016 was pretty novel idea. So it was kind of like, you know, that structured creative thinking or the framework that helps you within a few days um, to solve the problem, kind of take from, you know, not having anything or having a problem to, to the prototype and testing. So I took that idea that um, Google Ventures came up with. And um, my project was to try it out within the company and see if it works, if it helps us to build build better products. Mm-hmm. And it did. And the project, um, kind of like the pilot, the test project went really well to the point where I started running or leading those design sprints for um, many other product teams at the company. And I guess that kind of served really as a precursor to what I'm doing today, where I really got myself into the field that I've become super passionate about because I saw a purpose and I saw its application 
to anything as you know during our coffee shop right like hey we just solved your podcast problem <laughs> which was amazing by the way thank you <laughs> but you can actually take it yeah from um apply it to anything like that to you know finding your new um permanent location to what i want to do in life to hey what type of product do i want to build next or how do i solve this problem so i took i really saw that huge potential because it is all about people it is very human process it's really understanding us at the level where i know many product developers or many developers in general don't get to so the transition started back then and when i was ready to um to leave and kind of like go on my own i always had in mind that i have something that special that i should be able to take advantage of so the idea was there it was just a matter of understanding and connecting okay so i can um i can consult i can coach on that um i can figure it out you know maybe help companies i can do it um in a physical location but i could also do it remote so after that it was all about kind of understanding what are those boundaries it was also understanding where do you want to start because starting is the most in my opinion kind of like it's pretty challenging it's very difficult right to start having an idea is great but i did it's not going to get you far so i'm pretty sure you know you're very much familiar with that but you have to like really start executing <laughs> yeah um i think gary v said that you know ideas are easy um but mm -hmm. execution is just the name of the game right cuz exactly you know i guess from for some of us or maybe most of us like we could probably easily think of five extraordinary ideas um you know a day some some might think of like 10 a day um but our ability to like act on one of those ideas really takes like one a, a good amount of effort if we're not used to you know executing in the first place ideas are just they're they're cheap right you could just give yeah. away you could give away ideas really good ideas away and you know a bunch of people out there won't won't really act on them they'll they'll probably yeah. be like yeah that's a good idea I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I guess that's kind of like the fear that um I used to have several years ago when I really didn't understand that and I think you know a lot of start startup founders it, at least back in the day I think had that fear like oh I'm not going to share my idea because someone's going to go and implement on that. When in reality it's actually hey you should go and share your idea because no one's going to do most likely no one's going to do anything because you do have to have that as you mentioned the effort and motivation and really the execution part because that's where the difficulty is so it's actually better just to go share it and get some feedback <laughs> that's true that's true i feel like a lot of entrepreneurs feel like you know there there's this like weird scarcity like um oh if i share my idea then somebody is going to take it and run with it and like you know do it and that kind of like feeds into the fear of just like not being like executing or just like not even not even doing anything in the first place right and it's it's weird exactly it's like the paralysis that we get into right it's like cuz i'm my i'm myself just the same way as you said like i think majority of us it's like 
I can come up with a lot of great ideas, but really, and like I even keep a spreadsheet for those ideas, but how many, how many of them did I actually follow through? Well, not all of them, most, not most of them. It's kind of like, I really like Tim Ferriss podcast. He's one of the podcasts that I actually listen all the time. And I think one of the biggest questions that he usually gets asked is like, hey, when you have so many great ideas or potential projects that you could be working on, what's your way to kind of like prioritize or, you know, figure it out? What, what, do, you, what do you work on? Because that's exactly the same with ideas, right? You can have 10 great ideas per day. At the end of the week, you're going to have 70. But which ones are you going to move on? Um, what type of framework would you use? So his way of approaching that was um, kind of like figuring out which which project has the potential to propel you the furthest, kind of like domino effect. So if you start that one, the other ones are going to either just collapse in the opposite direction because they're just not relevant, or you're actually going to help to move the rest of them forward. And it's going to be that uh, more impactful um, outcome at the end. Yeah. So that's, that's a good way. But I mean, that guy's uh, execution ninja so i'm not like him <laughs> i mean tim ferris besides the fact that he's a, a freak of nature um and he's also he also wrote the bible the four-hour work week uh, uh -huh. you know execution is just like a muscle right like for example you need to continuously work it out otherwise it's just yeah. you know it's going to fall by the wayside i also relate uh what you said um when it comes to tim ferris like you know, picking a project that like will propel you furthest. I think uh, I read a like a Medium article about like Warren Buffett saying like, oh, you should write down like the 20 things, like almost like a bucket mm -hmm. list. Like you should write the 20 things that you really, really want to do in your life. And then like, I think he just narrowed it down to 10 and then he narrowed it down to like two. Like you, you like mark, mark, um, them or you sort them in terms of priority and then you like narrowed it down to like the only two things and he was just like you can only work on these two things before you like move on to like anything else because it's just like it, it drives down to like what you really want to do most in your life because you realize mm -hmm. that like life is you know finite and short you know it, if we're lucky it's long right but for the most part like you have to do one what will propel propel you the furthest and two, what you really want to accomplish in this life, right? Yeah, I totally agree. There is also um, something that Ray Dalio in his principles book mentioned. He, one of his principles was also like, you can have, like he said, you can have anything, but you cannot have everything. And it totally wow. makes sense. The thing is like, you can have anything. It's if, because we are, so much full of potential we are so much full of energy and ideas beyond what we realize or what we think we are so like you know all those limits that we place on ourselves they're just conditional but they don't exist so we can do anything but it comes down to not everything so you have to figure out what are those one or two things going back to Warren Buffett what are those one or two things that you could be doing and actually something else that Dalio mentioned, um, which is so interesting because I try to ask myself this question every time when I'm 
torn between two decisions. Mm -hmm. So he said, okay, so even if you cannot do everything, there are probably a couple of paths that you can take. You can take either, you know, you can go either left or you can go right. But then he also asked, but can you imagine a situation where you could actually, where you don't have to choose, where somehow you can pursue them both? And I thought this is, hey, it's such a simple question. And I thought like, well, but that's just true. Like sometimes when we feel like you just have to make a decision, like either black or white, well, what if you could have the white and the black and you combine it and in some way, sure, you might not spend 100% of your time on one thing, but then there is the opportunity of creating something else. So I tried to keep a keep a thought of that to not limit myself just to a or B and think that what if I could do both? Wow. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's when creative thinking and the problem solving surrounding that like really takes like, I don't know, new, new forms or you're, you're able to like, you know, take on a new perspective when you're trying to combine these like two different things that were, you know, it's, it's like oil and water, right? Like they're not supposed to go yeah. together, but if you, if you can find a way to like merge that, you're going to come out with something completely unique and probably just, you know, new to the market, whatever, whatever it is, whatever the idea is. And hopefully you execute on it because, you know, if, if you boil down the two things, if you took Warren Buffett's like advice and you, you're left with two things and you could combine the two, then mm -hmm all of your energy is just going to the thing that you really want to live out the most. Right. And I, I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's like that inter intersection. It's like how they say there is a, a, a T-shape personality, right? Where this is exactly what it is. It's like that intersection of having a narrow specialty, like knowing something really well, but then also have a bunch of other interests. And when those two collide, you with uh, perhaps, I don't know, some lawyer background plus having, you know, learning coding and also um, I don't know, doing some painting on the side. Once you combine those, you know, three, well, maybe there's something magical that happens at the intersection of those. Definitely, definitely. So I guess like when it, when it comes down to, to you, you took uh, design thinking and design sprints as like, your thing, which could apply to a, a number of uh, different products, different industries, different niches, and all of that. Could, could you explain for people that didn't really listen to uh, the, the coffee talk yet, could you explain the idea of uh, a design sprint and how you would apply it to somebody that like wants to, I guess, live this nomadic lifestyle that, that we both have? Sure. Well, I would ask um, that person, hey, so what's your, what's your end in mind? What is that one thing that you, you're really trying to do? I would also ask, so, okay, that's great. Um, how does success look to you? Hmm. And we'll talk about that. And then I'll flip the question and I'll, and I'll ask, but um, where can you fail? How does failure look to you? What, what is it? What's the definition of failure in this situation? All right, so we started with that clarity. We started that, hey, this is what, this is the type of lifestyle I envision for myself. I want to be um, 
flexible, but I uh, I want to live anywhere I want, but I prefer, let's say, only Southeast Asia, and I want to stay there most of the time, most of the year. Um, but I also really like people, so I don't want to, you know, just be remote, sitting in my com in front of the computer all day long, and you know, doing the remote job. So you know, we start with things like that. That this is what I want, and this is what I don't want, mm. and we'll start working backwards from that point on. So if it was um, a lifestyle that we're trying to work on, we're going to start, um, we're going to think, we're going to turn those problems that that person right now is experiencing. Let's say they would say, well, but right now I have this nine to five cubicle job mm -hmm. and I also need money because I actually have um, mortgage to pay. Uh, well, I'm not married, which is good, but I still, you know, have a girlfriend or boyfriend that don't really want to go with me. So we'll start kind of with problems that a person really feels that, that they have, and I'm going to flip it into opportunities. And then really, there is a really good design thinking technique when you interview the person. And the reason I would start talking with a person is I would try to understand, understand first before I'm getting and be, be, before I get to be understood, right? So it's all about first approaching from that point of view, the empathy. Um, so once kind of like I get a bit of in their shoes, um, we'll reframe those problems and opportunities. As I mentioned, the technique for that, for that is the question, how might we, or how may I? And what it does is that the problem of, um, okay, I have, a girlfriend or a boyfriend who doesn't want to go with me. Let's start there. So we'll reframe it. How might we how might we go on this adventure together so that my partner feels as much meaning and purpose as I do when we out there traveling? Mm. And that question, instead of putting ourselves in this little box, so I have this problem. No one understands that. Now this is a question that we're going to start brainstorming. We're going to start, maybe we're going to use sticky notes and we're going to start putting some ideas on a wall or on a virtual wall. Um, and after that, we're going to try to create some kind of affinity map, figure out, okay, I think I'm seeing some patterns here. It looks like your partner is really, uh, they're going to feel like they have to travel too much. They're really don't want to hop too much so maybe it's all about slow travel for you so that's one theme that comes out and now there's that they still want to feel like they contributing to a society maybe because they're working in the nonprofit. so how can we create those opportunities for them as they travel to be valuable to the society mm. um once we found those themes then and it's kind of like our brainstorming um uh, phase we're gonna move into okay let's let's move into the solution we'll take those problems and we're gonna try to let's solve for them um, and some of the solutions could be okay let's pick the countries that where you can stay for longer because you know our visa allows that and then we'll pick the countries and the places in the countries that have some kind of nonprofits maybe it's animals maybe helping the marine life or preserving oceans and after those solutions are there, we're going to move into the testing phase. And the testing phase is taking those solutions and really putting them in front of the people. So we'll take those solutions and I'll tell this person, okay, go take it to your partner. Ask them if that's something that we would be interested in. 
and they would come back and say like oh my god yes it's totally like that we totally narrowed it down or maybe they're going to come back and say like nah, now there was not much of an excitement maybe we should go back to the problems and do this little cycle again but assuming that they went well we're going to take that um test and we're going to start putting in it into the real life start executing and then the execution here would be would mean okay so we like the solution let's figure out what are the first five to ten steps that you need to make to get to that and it would be you know writing down the plan and really following through that so that's kind of like you know a very uh, a bit philosophical and focused on the process rather than the product but if you're building a product solving some kind of need for people you would go through exactly the same process um talking with your users and then finding solutions ideating testing them with real people and then building them out um, as you would do with designing this awesome nomadic digital lifestyle for yourself i love it i i love how proactive this philosophy is because you know you, you brought up the fact that like you have to be aware of the problems and the challenges that might uh you know be obstacles to what you want out of life right and by being aware you're able to flip it and turn it into a question that is begging to be solved right because once you're able to move it from a problem into a question then it's like okay how do how do we figure this out like what are mm -hmm. the what are the the things that um you know me and, and off of your example, me and my partner could do together that she would feel excited about this adventure as much as I, I am. And I, I, I love how, you know, there's an essence of collaboration um, and, you know, just creative brainstorming when it comes to problem solving. And it, it sounds fun uh, when you're able to implement this, this sort of philosophy in your life and then also just at work. So it seems like you're just kind of playing around with so many different different um, ideas and, and, and trying things out. And, and it, it sounds really cool. I agree. And I totally, you're totally right about playing around because it is, it is a play at the end of the day. But in the play, this is where we let go of who we think we are or the type of the hat that we're wearing. And by hat, I mean, you know, like, oh, I'm this serious gal or guy. And I don't, this is not how I think. So you, we kind of like, you like release those and we are able to be in the process as designers or as just problem solvers mm -hmm. and i have to tell you that um i actually do apply a lot of those techniques in my life so like let's say um even with my own partner with my boyfriend every time he runs into like oh i have all this bunch of ideas we could work on how like what wh what what should i work on and it can put you in that paralysis where you don't move on anything, but we try to talk through and really come up with our own like frameworks of assessing it and figuring out what are the solutions, what are the problems. And I think it's the same, goes the same for like figuring out different ways for getting to your next travel destination. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, injecting a bit of a out of the box thinking and approaching from perspective, hey, but what if? What if we could do A? What if we could do B? And once you frame it this way, what if or how might we, 
the other person on the receiving end, they're not in the defensive mode anymore. anymore. They're not in the pro problem mode anymore. They are with you on this ride right now, on this creative solving ride. Yeah, in this collaborative like sort of atmosphere that's kind of cultivated yep. from the, from this philosophy. I love that. I love that. When when you guys uh, decided to, uh, I guess, leave your cubicle, so to speak, is this how like uh, is this how the approach kind of looked like a little bit? A lot of uh, I guess reverse engineering and design sprinting to this whole nomadic lifestyle. I just have to ask. <laughs> you know, I wish <laughs> I wish it was <laughs> being you know honest being honest. I wish it was, but some things, of course, you know, we, we kind of applied because we did try to approach, okay, so what would be the end in mind for us? Where, where would we want to be at the end? Is that just a continuous uh, journey or is it just, uh, you know, a relocation or is it coming back somewhere or it's a finding a better place? So we definitely were trying to think from that end in mind perspective, but a lot of problems that we have run during our travels, you know, sometimes you just, you have no energy to sprint. <laughs> so you have the energy for is to pick up the bag and go get yourself in some kind of trouble and then be like, oh shit, how come I didn't think about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why didn't I just slow down and yeah. kind of think things in, in steps or like reverse engineered steps, right? And I, I feel like that's just, you know, part of the the learning process when it comes to just trying to tackle any of life's curveballs, right? Like you don't have yeah. like sometimes you don't have time to like really design sprint your way out. It's more like I have to think off my on my feet and just like attack things head on, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you you have the only option is to kind of be reactive or just to be in a, you know, just follow the flow because, you know, resisting is not going to help or you can just kind of like continue on that, keep dancing with whatever dance life is offering to you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, what has been, I guess, the biggest challenge um, you've faced since being remote or like, I guess, digital nomadic? The biggest challenge, I think it's, um, so like I'm always trying to do a really good job about finding the places. So, you know, you, you would think that you always would get what you're looking at in terms of pictures or getting in touch with people. So I think the biggest challenge has been arriving at the place and realizing it's like nothing like you, like you need, not even like you want, but nothing like you need, meaning that um the internet works only in this little place on the little table in the kitchen and you cannot even go anywhere outside yeah or um i do have a bit of a um, back lower back problem so for me it's like oh my god and i can't even sleep on this bed because now i'm going to be waking up with a huge pain uh you know things things like that so mostly the challenges is is to find the set of things that you need to wake up next morning and get into your um, routine, right? Because the challenge is also every time you move from one place to another, the routine is changing. But we are creatures of habit. We do like comfort. Even in this chaos and discomfort, we find this like, you know, two days of comfort and we're good. Yeah. So they change in the routine constantly 
um, it might be a little bit difficult to constantly keep doing that. But again, if I'm presented with all the necessities that 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 I need, good internet, um, you know, great view, <laughs> might not be necessity, but it actually does is becoming a pretty um, a pretty good necessity. A lot of natural light. Um, I actually do need this one because it's um, it's just difficult for me to to function without that light or the vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thanks for me to 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 be productive, to be in my zone, to keep moving forward, and to you know go outside, have the fresh air, etc. Things like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I I realize that we we touched on comfort just a little bit and there are good aspects of comfort because like we can only operate efficiently when we're in a routine that's like somewhat comfortable and we could give clients or our teams or you know even our partners in our relationships like uh really good energy and attention because we're coming from that place of i guess quote unquote efficiency which is like Mm -hmm. in a sense from a place of comfort so yeah, I just wanted to bring up like how we, in the beginning of the episode, we're talking about like, oh, comfort is bad. Like you need to, you need to grow and like get out of there. But at the same time, comfort's really good because you can operate in your best, like, like, like you said, uh, we're, we're creatures of habit, right? So if we're able to have good habits and reinforce a really good routine, then we're able to show up as our best selves. Totally. Yeah, no, I like how you brought it back and to show the two different, two different, two opposite sides of the comfort. Yeah, when comfort is just plainly complacency, it's no good, right? But when comfort is finding comfort in the constant discomfort, mm. like this is, this is the place of what they call the good stress, right? The good type of stress that actually helps us to be more creative, help us to be more in the zone and push ourselves further than we think we could go. Mm-hmm. Just for my own curiosity, you guys, you said that you're, you and your boyfriend are a bit of slow travelers um, and you like to stay in um, cities for a good amount of time, just to, like soak up the culture and also, I guess, get into your routines as well. Mm-hmm. Is there like a, a set amount of months that you kind of adhere to when it comes to like you move to a city and it's like oh we're going to be here for three months or do you guys kind of just play it by ear and and you know take it in stride i guess yes i think we started with playing by ear but then we figured out that needs too much of hopping it creates the the bad type of stress <laughs> that you you want to maximize the good one so i think we started with just like a month so we started with uh, not i bet this is the place of probably not i don't think it i don't think iceland is gonna make the top digital nomad destinations just for the you know for the costs right but it's an amazing country and we actually spent a month over there we probably could have spent more because it was really good. But then I feel like after Iceland, almost every place where we stayed, it was um, longer by, you know, after that we moved into the Spain, we spent about a month and a half. So our longest so far has been Costa Rica, where we spent almost four months. And in Portugal, it's kind of like, it's going to be almost actually six or five and a half months 
um because we did start with two months in lisbon mm -hmm. and then we thought okay let's just break it you know bring some change and went down to the south and then coming back again here so this is probably the longest stretch in one country maybe not in one place but in one country but yeah we're trying to i'm more of a um I can adapt to change an environment much faster, but again, it's going back to that um, exercise of, you know, also figuring out what works for your partner so that they can enjoy the journey and the ride as much as you do. Um, and my boyfriend, he is not a big fan of like too much hopping because he needs that routine more than even I do. So this is finding the balance of like, how can we, you know, stay not too much where I'm ready to move, but he is, you know, just getting into his cadence. So I think we found that maybe like somewhere between two to four months is a good is a good time to stay. That's cool. And so you're in you've been in Portugal for about five. I just have to ask where where are you guys thinking of going next? Well, the next one is actually pretty straightforward and maybe not as sexy. <laughs> we, we're going to, because I'm originally from Russia, so we're going to be going to Russia for like through the, um, through the holidays, December holidays. And after that, in January, we probably might go back to um, Central America after that. I'm not, I'm not sure we're still, like that part of, a, that leg of a trip is still um, kind of like, work in progress and it's actually another challenge with scheduling the trips and figuring out where you're going to live and doing all the research that's actually is a big challenge if you're also trying to enjoy the place and do some kind of work because this adds up like this is another type of work that you do on top of everything yeah and um how long do you think you guys will keep up like this nomadic lifestyle for like, have you, have you guys like thought about that or, um, is it just too soon and you're just enjoying for it for what it is right now? Um, we have, yes, we, we, we did, we did think, um, so I think we might do for another, maybe a year, maybe slightly less, maybe something like under the year, um, until we kind of like figured out, oh, why don't we stay in this specific place? Or longer and then hey maybe this could be our permanent location and mm. let's stay here but yeah i think maybe like definitely several months more um not sure what's going to happen like after central america um leg of a trip but there it's definitely you know it's it's on the mind it's kind of like hey let's enjoy what it what we have today might last but then there needs to be some kind of destination at the end where that destination right the end of mind still makes you feel excited and because i feel like for a lot of you know digital nomads most of us do not think about that or we just try not to think what's going to happen later yeah right because it might be a bit of a difficult con conversation with yourself or you know with people that you meet is like it might last forever, but do you want to? It might last for, you know, some people do travel for 20 years and it works for them, but is that the final destination or that end in mind for this lag of your life? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, I, I've definitely uh, thought of, you know, after after Thailand, like what what what's next? And also like, you know, I have a bunch of friends back home that are, 
you know, moving into, I guess, later stages of their, of their adulting. And, yeah. you know, you, you start, you start thinking of that, like that, that's a real thing as far as, yep. like, even though, even though it's like, you know, you want to think that you're in some dream and you're able to, and, and to an extent you are, uh, because you're able to like operate in, in, in an area that like you really wanted to be in. At the end of the day, it's nice to settle down somewhere with uh, familiar faces and a, a community of friends that are, you know, always going to be there. And that's also very, very, very appealing. And another major uh, factor when it comes to overall happiness as well. Yes, very, totally agree. Very good point. It's like, you know, I think when I was in San Diego, there was certainly a bubble that I was in, right? And then when I took myself out of that bubble, um, you know, you start kind of like, you know, seeing from different perspective. And once you start traveling, you, um, you're not in that bubble, but you're still in a bubble, but it's a different type of bubble. So kind of like the, the dream world that you refer to, right? So the being a digital nomad and kind of like, put in the thought or the question of asking yourself, but what's next? Or, you know, what is it after? Um, it's a bubble that we don't want to, you know, uh, poke and leave yeah, with, with anything. Yeah, and then yeah. it, yeah. But it's good to think about it. It's scary and maybe it's unpleasant. Um, and it's kind of like, oh, do I go back to where I kind of came from to like the same type of life? But you know, we all have an opportunity not to do the same thing. And because, you know, that's why we're doing something different right now so that we don't have to come back to something that we, some of us escaped from. hundred mm, percent agree. Um, I guess along the lines of uh, the future, um, like what, what do you have, uh, I guess, lined up? Um, I, I believe that you just released the book, right? Yes. Which is, um, I'm pretty excited about uh it's been in the works um for several months honestly just because you know a lot of things just came down at the same time um so I'm really excited about that and it's literally you know it's not like a even a hundred pages book but it's free it's under 100 it's all about um design sprint but it's really design sprint um, and I'll give you a bit of a context about that. So the name of the book is Sprint Like a Boss. So, and it's all about, you know, you can sprint like a boss in your life or in your profession and whatever it is. The focus of the book, though, is primarily on um, kind of like how to use the, the idea of design thinking and actually design sprint as a product manager but this is not I, I don't want the listeners to think that oh if i'm not a product manager it's not relevant to me it's actually is so i kind of like some of those concepts that we've talked about in the beginning of the of our conversation right some of those concepts are mentioned in the book um and kind of like walk you through of how you can use those exercises in a straightforward manner um, to apply to pretty much anything that you want. And I don't know if there is a, a demand, I might just uh, figure out how to do the design sprint for your life, you know, <laughs> as a next project. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think a lot of people listening right now are one, excited for your book. And two, I think they would definitely love that part two uh, on Encore when it comes to applying it to your life. 
Um, and and just for people that are listening, and also myself, like where where can people find this book and and download um, and download it? Sure, just go on my website, Katerina. This is actually my full name, um, KaterinaSuchkova.com forward slash sprint like a boss. Um, and it's K-A-T-E-R-N-A-S-U-C-H-K-O-V-A. And um, yeah, I'll send you a link. You will be able to include it in your in your show notes. And it's a yeah, free, free book. Uh, you're going to be sprinting like a boss after that. <laughs> epic, epic. Um, and besides your website, uh, I, I don't know if you want to plug your Instagram or your Facebook, any, anywhere that people can like, I guess, connect with you directly if they wanted to ask you like a specific question. Yeah. Um, Instagram is good. Um, though I keep it private. I actually do, um, you know, if someone is interested and they reach out to me with a question, I'll definitely accept and we'll chat. My Instagram handle is, um, K A T E K S O N Kate Kson. Um, and, yeah, just uh, when you send it, uh, I don't know, Instagram, you can insert a message. I, maybe not, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure you can send direct DMs as long as you guys are friends. Um, but yeah, so we're moving on to our last question, or our last uh, three questions. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank you for jumping on Nomad Wolf and... Um, yeah, I, I just really liked how we got to, uh, one, talk a lot of philosophy. Uh, I guess that's like part of your whole thing. Um, and, you know, we got to dive into a lot of the things that like nomads have to like kind of deal with and have to like factor in and also um, possibly have to look forward to whether it's settling down or, or all of that. So, yeah, I really appreciate the time and uh, this really awesome conversation uh, and it, being able to connect. Awesome. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. I'm really, um, I'm excited to share, you know, about my journey and kind of what I do with people and see if anything could be applicable to them. Awesome. So uh, last three questions. What do you live by daily? Is there like a quote or somebody, somebody told you something really important that you kind of use to keep grounded, especially when you're, you know, living in all these different sorts of places? Mm, yeah, good question. There is actually a quote that I've been going back almost every day to, um, and it's a quote by Jack Kornfield, his um, uh, like Buddhist um, meditation teacher. Um, and his quote is pretty simple, but it means so much. Um, and it goes like that in the end. Only three things matter, how much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things that are not meant for you anymore. Wow. I, I had to let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> That's a really you, good and you, one. Yeah, and you have to. I think my favorite is the last part, is letting go of what's not meant for you. Um, constant reminder for me. It's that... Every time I find myself grasping or wanting or needing or getting attached, just coming back to that quote, that last part, and taking a deep breath makes it, uh, you know, makes it easy or brings a different perspective that maybe it's just not meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like most people 
most people have those sorts of difficulties when it comes to um, disattaching from things that they expected um, out of life, right? But, you know, sometimes things just work, just don't work out, but event inevitably work work for you, right? And it takes a lot of perspective and a lot of, I guess, failure and, and <laughs> adversity to kind of be humbled to, to have that sort of perspective. Yeah, totally. Um, so given the, the gravity of this quote, I kind of love asking, <laughs> asking this question, but uh, uh, would you ever get that quote tattooed on you? Uh, you know what? That's probably the only quote that I actually would. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. I mean, it is really, really good. I don't think I've ever heard it before. And just the the weight of meaning in it. I, you know, to be honest, I definitely get it tattooed on myself too. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like I would maybe even if and let's say if it's not the entire quote, it could be just some kind of symbol um, that that would kind of like symbolize that quote that I would um, tattoo right but anything that kind of like brings me back and puts me in the mindset mm. to going back to like rereading or to in my mind to hearing it back again I think I would do that um, perfect perfect and that brings us to our last question what makes you feel the most alive um I guess for me it would be um two things I think one is kind of like the experiences um like really um any like you know every time I think about you know being alive it's all about kind of like standing at the edge and then spreading my wings and understanding that you have this huge unknown in front of you and you can take a plunge and you can you know spread the wings and you can do it and then that feeling comes you know when I'm doing something challenging like project or work-wise, right? The being in the zone. It also comes down to doing some amazing hikes or uh, swimming in Iceland in two degrees water, uh, you know, things things like that after which you're, you're kind of tapped in a little bit of a, your potential that you didn't know that existed. And when you get out of there, you're like, wow, I just did it and felt amazing. And I want to come back to that. It also has to do a lot with people, working with people, helping, seeing others kind of like grow and exploring their own potential and helping them to overcome that. So those things definitely make me feel super alive. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Nomad Wolf podcast. It really means so much that you guys take the time out of your day to spend it with me and our guests. I really hope that today's content here and on the blog helps you on your path. If you're a new listener and like what you hear, feel free to hit the subscribe button. We'll be interviewing more Nomad Wolves and unpacking more secrets and stories that you don't want to miss. I'm going to leave you guys right here, but in the meantime, take care, take care of each other, stay present, and do your best to move forward, even if it's only a little bit. I'll catch you next time. Peace.